Thank you for listening to Tapping Into the Human, a podcast on addiction, recovery, and mental health, brought to you by The Albertus Project. By tapping into the human behind addiction and mental health, we can empower those suffering by creating a culture of empathy and support. Every week, you'll hear powerful stories from people about their journey with recovery and be inspired by individuals and organizations that are leading the charge in decreasing the stigma surrounding mental health and addiction. Hey everyone, it's Alex and welcome to today's episode of Tapping Into the Human. As always, we have a special guest and today it's a really special guest because it's my sister, my little sister Jera is not so little. Um, And I'm really excited about this one. She was very nervous about being on. Um, I'm very excited to have her here. But I thought today's episode, um, we're going to talk a little bit about addiction and her relationship with Reed, which I know she had a great one um, just by nature of how close I was with Reed. But also we're going to be talking about mental health, which is a really important aspect of what we try to do and helping on the Albertus project and decrease the stigma there as well. And obviously mental health definitely ties into addiction. So Jara, thanks for being here and welcome to your first podcast. Thank you for having me. Yeah. So can you give everyone sort of a little overview of you and then we could talk a little bit about how you knew Reed and that sort of thing? Yeah, sure. So I'm Jara. Um, I'm Alexandra's sister. Um, and Alexandra has no no new read since what? How old are you guys? Like, like five, yeah, six. five or six. Um, so obviously I knew her when I was really little and we grew up together um, and our families grew up together and we were just around each other a lot. Um, and yeah, as they got older, they got closer. So Reed was over a lot more and I got to spend more time with her. Um, and I definitely like idolized her. I loved her sense of style and her humor and we just had a lot in common. And it was, it was always a really good time when Reed was over. She was one of the friends that like, I actually wanted to clear my schedule so I could actually be around to hang out with her. Um, and I just, I just loved every minute we spent together. I always, she always had like the best stories and was the greatest storyteller and yeah, I miss her a lot. Um, and she was just like a really just a really great positive energy in life. Um, and yeah, fantastic friend. And just really, everyone loved her, honestly. I, I Our whole family did. I remember going out for ice cream, um, me, Alexandra Reed, and one of my friends, and we had a really good time and they had never met before. But yeah, no, it was awesome. And, you know, we obviously founded the Albertus Project in honor of her um, and are continuing to hopefully make her proud and, you know, uh, destigmatize and just educate and, you know, like make, I guess, the world more aware of addiction because same as with Alexandra, I didn't really, you know, know about it as much, obviously, until it like firsthand impacted us. Um, And now it's been great, obviously bittersweet, but very great to have a better understanding and be able to help people and, you know, it, it's just, yeah, it's been, it's been really good. No, that that's awesome. I appreciate kind of that overview and introduction. And I know the other day you and I went um, over to the Miami idea exchange, which is like a safe needle syringe exchange down in Miami. We're in Florida right now. And you and I spent a couple of days buying all the different sort of uh, supplies, syringes, fentanyl test strips, wound products. Um, and you were a really great help. And I thought that that was fun. 
I sort of know how I feel about how that experience was, but for you being able to give back to the addiction community for the first time, what was that experience like? Yeah, no, I mean, I'm I'm very good at spending money, so it was fun <laughs> to spend money for a good reason this time, not just on myself. Yeah. Um, no, so it was really fun, you know, like picking out stuff and like finding stuff that you know people are actually going to use and going to need, like necessities versus just, you know, like things that look pretty or that kind of thing. So no, it was really good. It was, you know, like fun in a sense and also the fact that you know it's going to go to a good place and yeah. I mean like choosing the stuff was one thing but like physically delivering it and seeing the looks on the people's faces and like yeah. realizing like how many people it's going to help you know that like makes it all worth it not that it wasn't before but it just really puts it into perspective like why we do this and yeah you know who we're helping no exactly I think I mean, for me, every single day, I'm kind of sitting behind a computer connecting with people and just by nature of COVID, like, you know, not really out in the community as much as I want to be yeah. hearing about it, but being able to see kind of the people that we were going to help, I found that that was an incredibly rewarding experience. And um, it was fun packaging everything and making it unique and making sure that we were giving the people what they, they wanted. Um, so that's on the addiction front, but I think something that's I know you and I have learned a lot over the last year or so with Reed's passing and you've been a champion of the Alberta's project and me, and that's awesome with the support. But I think another interesting aspect that, um, I mean, I know I've talked about on the podcast um, quite a bit, but me suffering from anxiety, I've learned with your mental health journey, how different it is from mine. And it's interesting because although it's mental health, I have anxiety, you have anxiety and depression. I find depression very difficult to understand because it works very different than with anxiety. And it's been a journey, me trying to understand you and your process, which sometimes I chalk up to like, well, what, what's going on? What's she doing? And not fully understanding. And I think I've hopefully done a better job at that. But can you sort of talk a little bit about your journey and how you found, like, do you find, um, depression is looked at different than anxiety like what's that experience been like and do you think people get it family members friends I'm sure that's a difficult thing to get and understand yeah so like I was diagnosed with depression and anxiety when I was in like seventh grade so was it that young yeah so I think like 13 maybe mm -hmm. 12 I, I don't honestly I can't recall um but yeah no I mean like each year each day I learn more and more about it even like you know myself and everybody has different you know like every, people have depression but everyone has like it, it differently and you know I would categorize myself as like a very high functioning depressive person yeah and I guess same with anxiety I mean my anxiety is like more social anxiety so it's more like situational um but so yeah no and like with people understanding and stuff it's it's hard because you know everyone's coming from like different generations and like people who are like our grandparents age probably don't understand as much as people our age and same with like our parents um and our aunts and uncles and people just around that era as well I mean I do my best to educate you know like mom and dad and people around me and you know, like each each day I'm like learning something new and, and having a easier time trying to explain it. I mean, it's one of those things like you can't just write it write down on a piece of paper, like the definition, because it affects everyone so differently. Yeah. Um, and, you know, there's like different coping mechanisms and something that works for one person isn't going to necessarily work for everyone. And Which I think is a good 
good point and intersects with addiction, right? I think the thing that you and I have always thought is like, oh, like a 12 step program or it's whatever is in a movie or something, but like, it's not a one size fits all approach and everyone has a different story and journey. For sure. For sure. And it's like the same goes with like, you know, medication, like, yeah, okay. Medicine can help you, but it's not going to change, you know, change exactly everything about it, right? Like you have to work on yourself, work on yourself, be in the right mindset, be open to, you know, like being on, like, I'm still on my like self-love healing journey, you know, like I've only like just begun, so to speak, you know, like there's just, there's still so much. And I think like, like addiction, I think, you know, I think depression's gotten a lot better about like the stigma, the stigma. Yeah. Yeah. I was looking for that word. Um, and you know, like, I think when I was younger, it was really hard because I was like the only person I knew in seventh, eighth grade, not even ninth grade too, that like was depressed and like, was, you know, like self-harming and like suicidal and like, you know, so it was, it was hard. And like, I felt like I didn't have anyone to speak to because we were so little and I, I couldn't even wrap my head around it. I remember I couldn't either. I, I didn't. At that time, I didn't have anxiety. I mean, I did. I just didn't really know. It wasn't really bad. It was manageable. And I remember there was a time where I was, mom and dad were really freaked out and they picked me up at basketball practice and they were sort of telling me stuff that was going on with you. And I freaked out. I didn't know what that meant, how to help. And I I know how supportive mom and dad were, but they had no clue what the hell to do. Yeah, it's It's scary because you're, you know, you were little and trying to figure out what, to do to support yeah and then like obviously at the beginning obviously I've learned so much from this but you know like at that age like when no one else has it you're like it's almost like embarrassing like that's how I you know yeah. placed it and like I didn't want to tell people I was going to therapy and I didn't want to tell people oh I have depression like I, it wasn't like a badge I wanted to wear on my shoulder I mean obviously times have changed and it's so different and I'm like the first person to be like yeah, I have depression, you know, it's like an everyday struggle, but I'm dealing with it, you know? So, so yeah, no, it's, it's definitely been like a learning curve, even for me, who's Mm -hmm. someone who has it, but I also have friends and, you know, family members and stuff who have it too. And theirs is so different. So like, I still need to, you know, adapt and understand. And I try my best to like educate people and like talk about how, like, if someone says something, the way they said it, yeah. like it, you know, maybe rubs, rubs me the wrong way or like, you know, it's very difficult because like you don't want to offend anybody. Um, but it's hard because it's like each person has their own kind of like rules, you know? So exactly. So yeah, no, but anyways, as like time goes on, I think depression's definitely been way more destigmatized. Um, and I'm hoping, you know, come the following months, years, as will addiction as well. I think if like anxiety kind of hit that and then depression kind of hit that, I think addiction is the next one, you know, I think it's like more unheard of because I think when we're younger, it's not as prominent. I mean, maybe it is, maybe we just don't know about it. Um, but, and also I find too, like, I mean, this is something that I've, I've learned over time, right? Like right now, thank God there's no policy barriers or like legislation barriers like can you imagine if like I couldn't go get my my medicine for anxiety or I had to go every day versus like addiction you if for methadone you have to go every day or like can you imagine there was only certain doctors out of all doctors who could prescribe your depressive medicine like certain places to pick it up yeah it's 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 insane so no I, I I agree with you um my next question would be like what how has been trying to educate we'll go with dad because i think mom is much more in tune to being an empath and you know dad is a typical dad it's tough for him maybe to understand what are the tips and tricks for other people who might have um mental health you know concerns like uh anxiety depression bipolar and are trying to 
educate and get a family member to be sort of supportive because that that's a difficult thing that I think you might be able to shed some advice on for people listening mm, yeah I mean the biggest thing is I think when I started like I had such like a like a curtain of embarrassment which is so the wrong approach to have I mean then again I, I was super like young and you know I was the only person I knew who had it so I think it kind of went hand in hand so I think the first thing is to realize like not as cheesy as it sounds, but everyone says it like you really aren't alone. Like there are so many people who feel the exact same way as you and you may not see it, but those people are, you know, it could be like me high functioning where, you know, they kind of fake it and put a smile in front. So I think the first thing is just to be like open and honest as hard as that may be, you know, you don't have to go into like full details if you're not comfortable yet. Um, but that's definitely something that I realized on my journey. Um, also another big thing is like, um, therapy, if, of course, if you can, uh, you know, afford or, you know, are able to go, I think that's a huge, a huge, huge help because, uh, your therapist will teach you like coping skills and kind of how to talk to your parents, how to talk to your relatives, siblings, that kind of thing, just to kind of keep them aware and make kind of have them obviously like, you don't want them worrying or, you know, that kind of thing. So just kind of being able to somewhat grasp and understand, you know, so even whether you want to have like your therapist call your parents after and kind of give them a gist, if you're not super comfortable talking about it, you know, um, a huge thing for me also at the beginning is like, I just, I had a really hard time speaking about it. I would get really emotional because I think it was like, so it's overwhelming. Yeah. And just like, so Draining. just like such a rush of like yeah. emotion. Um, so my biggest thing was like sending emails and like texting because I found I really couldn't put my thoughts into words like in person, like right on the spot. So I, I realized, you know, kind of journaling, writing in my phone, on my phone, in my notes, you know, just like writing things that I knew could make sense to like dad, for instance, and yeah. how he would understand versus how someone my age would understand what, what I'm saying. Yeah. yeah. No, that that's cool. That's especially like you're trying to figure out what works best for the person sort of tailoring yeah. and educating. I think that that's a really important piece. And you just mentioned therapy. Um, can you talk sort of about that your experience in terms of like how helpful it's been to you and like what an asset you think it's been? Because in, in my opinion, I'm a different person now. Um, obviously, I've grown up, but therapy was such an, a pivotal thing because like you, I remember when I was talking to my friends about it, I, I would get so anxious talking, even saying the word anxiety gave me, gave me anxiety, right? It's like secondhand. And my therapist taught me how to be okay with it and sit in sort of uncomfortableness and that's okay. And oh my God, I'm, I have a podcast now on mental health and addiction. So I've certainly got there, but what's your journey with therapy been? How helpful has it been? Has it been tough for you to get back to it? Like, what's that been like? I mean, the first you know, when I first went to therapy, I was like in a lot of denial because, you know, you don't really want to be told at the age of 13 that like you have depression, you have anxiety. It's just a lot to handle. I mean, middle school is already a lot and change and, you know, new friends, new environments. So I think adding with that, it was just like really overwhelming. Um, I didn't happen to love my first therapist. You know, therapists are like almost when you're finding like a relationship, like yep. you really have to have chemistry and you really have to like bond and, and, you know, just feel comfortable with that person. So, you know, my parents were so, our parents, excuse me, were so desperate to get me into somebody so that like they, you know, listen to recommendations, that kind of thing. And I got in and, you know, like I didn't really feel comfortable. And like, it was a lot of like her talking versus me, which is interesting. Yeah. Um, but then after middle school, I, I kind of realized like, this is not helping me and I need, I need help, you know? So come high school, I switched to another therapist, which was a lot better. Um, I was a lot more comfortable with her. She was a lot more my speed. And it was just so much easier talking. It wasn't like, oh, like, 
like force. Yeah. Oh, I have to go like talk to whatever. I was yeah. like actually excited when I, when I had um, stuff with her. Um, and then I, I was with her for a few years and I think like I got back into like a bad bout with my depression and I like kind of was in a denial stage all over again. Like I don't need help. Like I don't want help mainly. Um, and I was kind of so comfortable with being sad that I was so put off with therapy. Um, but then I realized, you know, I really needed it as like, I'm not going to improve unless I actually like, what was that flip for you? Because I know family, uh, friends even can say, Hey, like, I really think this would be helpful. And obviously it has to, I mean, I remember when I was suffering from anxiety and mom and dad were like, Hey, you really would benefit. I'm like, no, I'm not going to speak. And I eventually got so bad when I'm like, shit, like I got to speak. What, what was it for you? Yeah. I think the hardest thing is like, I'm the type of person if someone tells me to do something, I want to do the opposite just because they told me to. So I'm like, well, you're telling me to go therapy. I'm not going to. So I think when everyone kind of almost laid off and like, I kind of sat with myself and I was like, what is my next step here? You know, like, yeah. where do I want to go from here? And I knew like, I can't be in this depressive state for, you know, the rest of my life, obviously. So I wanted to get help, you know, and like, I had talked so many of my friends were, you know, back into therapy and they were all telling me like, Jared, like I'm telling you, it'll change your life. I'm like, no, you guys, yep. I don't want to retell my story. I don't want to start. Share. From exactly. Yeah. And that was like the hardest thing for me. But then I found my new therapist who I'm like obsessed with and she has helped me so, so, so much. Like I don't know where I would be without her right now. So I'm really, really grateful and like happy with myself that like I went because if I didn't, I would have never felt the way I'm feeling right now. So, so yeah, listen, every day's a journey, still working on it and you know, but I'm just grateful that like I have the help that like I know will actually help me in the end. Um, and I think as much as it's kind of crazy and a tough, you know, roller coaster to go through therapists, I think you really realize like, again, say I'm going to compare your relationship. Yeah. You know? Like you really realize like, oh, this is a good fit for me. Like the other two, I, I just wasn't. Don't you, know, you look back and you're like, what? Yeah, no, it, it's. I 110% agree. And it makes me so happy that you're in a good place and happy. I mean, I notice it, you know, so that makes me happy. But I remember um, I had the best therapist in Toronto. She was great. I moved to DC. And I was like, good for a period of time where actually, I actually didn't need it, which is good. I was in a good place. And then I got into not such a great place. And I wanted to speak to someone. And my Lord, trying to get into a therapist, as you know, is like, so good. it's like the most backwards thing ever. And almost like, puts you off. Sometimes. Yeah, puts you off. Yeah. Like, I'm trying so hard to get into someone good. And all the good people or have a wait list or not taking patients. Anyways, finally got into someone. And I remember going to her um, in in DC. And she basically told me like, no, like, everything's like, okay, like, you're talking to me, like, there's no issues. And I'm like, I'm coming to you because of, she's like, Oh, like, honestly, you seem really put together. And I'm like, bro like yeah. why am I here if yeah like no I'm coming to you know. I it's was I remember bit. calling mom in the car crying I'm like I I need help I need coping mechanisms this girl said I was like well put together and I'm like I'm not no for sure and that's like the hardest part because you took so much of yourself Ugh. to like build yourself up and you're like, you just know, start the go, story go, and then to have that yeah happen, it was so. it was completely bs so long story short sure. I whenever I need to I speak to my awesome therapist in Toronto um so yeah like it's it's about finding the right fit for you which takes time and I think an important tidbit for not uh that not all people know is don't give up if the first therapist or the second therapist isn't good for you Mm -hmm. there are options both I experienced it you experienced it and it's it's sort of like a hurdle you got to kind of force yourself to do it 
but I feel like it's worth it. No, for sure. And like over time, you know, I think also it helped like age. Like I think with maturity, you kind of realize more about yourself and who you're like compatible with and like what actually works. Like maybe the second therapist I had was good for me when I was in high school. Yeah. But the one I have now is like better for the stage I'm at in my life. Right. So, um, so what, what else do you think is important for people to understand about mental health and what's something you think that can be done to make it easier? Like I, to me, I'm curious your thoughts. I mean, I don't really learn about mental health or addiction or anything in school. Mm-hmm. To me, that should be some sort of mandatory thing. Like it's, I know you and I have discussed many times, especially while we're down here in Florida, like, bro, the stuff we've learned in school compared to the stuff that we need to equip ourselves and the tools and the knowledge is just BS. So what are your thoughts of like, how can we make it easier for people to have the knowledge when they're younger? Yeah. I mean, again, like implementing that in schools would be like the main thing, but that's obviously a ways away and not really our area, unfortunately, where we can actually do anything about it. But, um, you know, my biggest thing I would say is like, and I used to be a culprit of this too, is like, really don't judge a book by its cover. Like, and I know that's cliche and everyone says it, but like really, especially when it comes to like mental illness and like mental health, like you really don't realize like behind closed doors, like what people are struggling with. So when you make a judgment on someone, you know, and you don't really give them the opportunity, it's hard because you're kind of closing it off. And, you know, that person could be struggling with the same things you are or something even more intense and you just like don't know. So that's my you know, my number one would definitely be not judging a book by its cover. And, you know, it's hard today, like there's so much judgment in the world, you know, I think, obviously, the world would be better if we were all less judgmental, because I think it makes it harder for people to feel like they can just like be honest about stuff. Mm. So and that was my thing, too, you know, like, I remember just like being ashamed was my biggest thing. But like, once people said to me, like, it's okay, like, you know, like, I'm here for you, like, whatever, I was like, Oh, like, I don't have to be ashamed. Like, so it was kind of like a really like open, opened my eyes so yeah I say just kind of all those things no I think that that's important especially the theme that you just brought up of shame which you and I have both experienced having mental health issues and then now understanding a year later about addiction like that's like insane right for sure while someone is dealing with a disease right it's it's whether it's anxiety whether it's depression whether it's addiction whatever it is they're not choosing it, right? Like you didn't wake up one day at 13 and be like, yep, I'm going to be depressed. I didn't wake up saying, yep, I'm going to have anxiety. And people who are in active addiction certainly didn't wake up and be like, yeah, I want to be addicted to this substance or doing this behavior, right? For sure. So it's like, where is the, if someone, um, I always make this thing, but I think it's accurate. Like, where is the sympathy, empathy, and support if someone has uh, an ailment, right? No, for sure. And I also think it's hard because like in like, the movies we see and like TV shows, like I think they kind of depict, you know, like addiction, other things too. But I think like pre our era, there was so much like, how, how do I say it? Like spoken badly about. Yeah, no, things. it's just so negative. Kind of just, like, it looks we bad. grew up and we're like, oh, that's bad. Okay, that's bad, you know? Yeah. So I think that's unfortunately still pretty prominent. I think things are getting better, obviously, as you know, different like eras and like our generation, exactly our generation. And like the older we get, you know, hopefully we'll, there will be like better depictions on TV and like in, in, um, you know, like social media, that kind of thing. But I think that that's hard because I think growing up again, you saw so much of that on the TV and just like slurs and like, you know, just like things that you were kind of conditioned to believe. Um, Yeah. So it makes it hard. And same thing with like school, you know, like we had these assemblies like drugs are bad like yeah. it was never like hey okay listen if, if you're, gonna, you're gonna do drugs right at least do this this and this right like the goal like I remember we had this guy his goal literally was to traumatize us really you know? we like I like left the assembly I'm like 
oh my god like, I didn't I'm gonna that. die after I like do you know I'm not saying it's not saying that I went like, no did no anything, no but, but wait wait what like that was at, at in high school yeah what how old were you like what grade he came every year but he was a, he was a really nice guy and he was just telling us how like he used to do horse tranquilizer and basically how oh. he lost his like control of like his bladder wow um and listen it messed us all up and like of course that's such a prominent story and i'm so glad like i was told that because that's so crazy and like i felt no, but for him. still but people... it was just like yeah there was no like it was literally just to scare us it, it, he was like just don't do it guys don't do it It was never like okay but if you do it at least be safe oh if you do it at I least be around the right story. people like you know so i think that's hard too because i think that's like the goal i think we're like oh kids in school like we have to tell them like they can't do drugs you know yeah, no, not a healthy way to actually make sure that people who do use drugs are doing it safely and how to help someone who's suffering. Yeah. So, wow, didn't even know that story. Okay, well, um, on that note, my last question that I always ask everyone is, what is your biggest piece of advice that you'd want people who are listening to know? So what would that be? Um, I guess like another cliche, don't, you know, don't give up, like no matter, you know, like don't give up on your journey, don't give up, like things will get better, even when you felt feel like you've hit rock bottom, like genuinely like hold on because there are other people who are going through the same things. And like, I promise you it will get better. Um, things just go in waves, you know, you just kind of have to hold along for the ride and just, you know, be just open and honest and willing to you know like try out different things and that kind of thing but i would say the biggest thing is definitely that love it awesome well uh now you guys have got to meet my sister which is pretty exciting for me and i just want to thank so much jared for being on here i know you were nervous but you did an awesome job so thanks yeah thanks for having me thank you so much for listening to today's episode by tapping into the human behind addiction and mental health we can empower those suffering by creating a culture of empathy and support you can find more episodes of Tapping Into the Human and resources about addiction and mental health by following The Albertus Project on social media at Albertus Project and at www.albertusproject.org. Thank you.